2: Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
3: Donald Trump has a new message for Puerto Rico. Drop dead. That's what he said yesterday, basically. Yeah, we can't stay there forever. We're getting the hell out, says Donald Trump. Uh, <clears throat> somebody ought to tell them they are American citizens. Hey, what do you say? Hello, everybody. It's Friday. It's not only Friday. It is Friday, October 13th. Watch out. Here we go. We're not suspicious at all. No trick here. We are rolling on with The Bill Press Show, as always, for the next couple of hours to bring you up to date on all the news of the day, what it all means, and where we go from here. The Bill Press Show with all of you and look forward to hearing from you on Twitter at BP Show. We've got a great lineup of guests today. We'll tell you what's going on in the Congress here. Paul Ryan leading a delegation down to uh, Puerto Rico uh, today. Should be interesting. The reception they get after, again, Donald Trump yesterday basically told Puerto Rico, hey, we've been there uh, maybe for a week, and that's enough time. That's all you deserve. We're going to pull the uh, the hell out. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump, meanwhile, un- unable to get uh, Congress to repeal Obamacare. Donald Trump has decided he will just sabotage it himself any way that he can, doing so yesterday by signing executive order, well, almost forgetting to sign an executive order, uh, and announcing another uh, step as early as maybe today or next week to uh, get rid of all the subsidies that millions and millions of Americans use to afford health care. Again, we'll roll you through the news. You tell us what it all means to you at BP Show, but first... Duh. This is the
2: full court press.
4: Just a couple of other stories making news. We will start exactly where you thought I was going to start last oh, night. Oh man! It was Game Five of the National League Divisional Series. Washington Nationals, Chicago Cubs, here in Washington. Winner take all, and yep, the Nationals lost. It was a game that was up and down. The Nationals took an early lead and then gave that up and then fought back to get within one run. But at the end of the night, Bryce Harper had a chance to
3: uh, yeah, tie yeah. the game,
4: but on Chicago's uh, so W, J- so w- Jason Sure, Chicago's W S C R was very happy last night. Swinging a miss, strike three, and the Cubs win it.
2: The Cubs are in the League Championship Series for the third consecutive year. He struck out Bryce Harper on a low inside breaking ball.
4: A miserable game. A miserable game. I mean, an exciting game, a stressful game, but there were so many missed opportunities. Apparently, there was know. a really I... terrible blown call in the fifth inning that the umpires uh, really screwed up in, in, in favor of the Cubs. Uh, just sort of. Sort that's a questionable call.
3: I, I don't. I, there were several. Several calls were in question where they replayed the tape and everything. I didn't watch every inning of the game. But um, there there were some bad breaks. I don't know. If you wanted to see everything that could possibly happen in a baseball game. Oh, my God. That was a game to watch.
4: Yeah. I, I mean, I how didn't... many
3: times have you ever seen? I have never seen where a catcher had his glove out too too far. Yeah. And the batter, when he swung, hit the glove. Yeah. And I didn't know what would, hap- what would happen. <laughs> it's automatic. He
5: automatically takes his base. Yeah. Can I tell you what the most miserable World Series matchup would be? <laughs> I know um, what it would be, but go ahead. The Cubs and the Yankees. <laughs> it would be awful. <laughs> Although you know, I would I, as much as I hate the Yankees. The Yankees Dodgers would be pretty interesting. Yankees Dodgers would be
4: pretty terrible. The too. Dodgers
5: used to be in Brooklyn, so it makes for an interesting subplot. Yeah. yeah.
4: No, you've I got know, three for, of but the I'm worst. i for the Astros. You've got three of the worst fan bases. Here in like the last four teams standing, the Dodgers, the Cubs, and the Yankees.
5: That's why you got to go with the Astros. So you've
4: got to
3: go with the
5: Astros
4: <laughs> at this point. You've got to root for the Astros.
3: Oh, uh, sorry, I'm rooting for the Cubs.
4: You still rooting for oh, the Cubs? Damn Look at right. that! <laughs>
5: <laughs> damn right. Back on the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't
4: take long. Bandwagon Bill. <laughs> here he is. A rare appearance. Damn right, man. I'm loyal. <laughs> <laughs> Loyalty. Anyway, we'll we'll kick off the uh, the next series here this weekend. So. Nats are out. Nats are out.
3: Go, Cubs.
2: On your radio, on TV, and online, this is the Bill Press Show. I ain't going nowhere, says
3: Chief of Staff John Kelly. Yes. Uh, Donald Trump letting him off his leash long enough to go tell the White House press corps yesterday that I'm not quitting, I'm not getting fired. I don't think. (laughs) I don't think. (laughs) But maybe I better go check with my boss. Ah, what a humiliating experience. Hello, everybody. What do you say? It's a Friday. How about it? Friday, October 13. Yep, it's one of those, Friday the 13th. Amazing how many times they roll around. Um, but we don't let it stop us. We are here with all of you for the Bill Press Show on this Friday, bringing you the news of the day, such as it is from Washington, D.C., from around the globe, from around the country, and uh, giving you a chance to sound off about it. We're joining you, of course, as we always do on YouTube, on online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, looking at you on Free Speech TV, and uh, Out in the greater Chicago area, probably still celebrating at this hour. Hello, hello, WCPT. And congratulations in the National League playoffs, beating our Nats last night. Uh, But it took you nine full innings to do so uh, in an incredible game that went back and forth.
4: Didn't but, end until Friday the thirteenth, as you just right. mentioned. It yeah. was well into, uh, not well into, but it was into Friday, right? This morning, spooky, uh,
3: yeah. uh, really spooky. I was there until the very last out, and um, the, so the Cubs, Cubs will face off against the They're Dodgers, play the right? Dodgers play the Dodgers, not today, but I guess the st- playoffs start tomorrow. The playoffs start today on the, the, the Yankees American and the Astros, the Astros
5: begin Astros. tonight yeah. spin, at eight PM tonight. Yeah,
3: so. Uh, go Cubs! They're up. They're back in the playoffs, and the Cubs go all the way. No?
5: What are you shaking? Why are you shaking oh, no, your I'm head? Just, I'm, I'm marking the tape for yeah. next year. Well, think, when you tell I, me that you're a Nats fan again, so no, I can bring this back.
4: How, you can't root for the Cubs and kick the Nats
5: out.
3: But but they're not there anymore. So what am I going to do? Stay, why aren't they there? Why? Because the, the Cubs. rotten Cubs put them out. Because the Cubs beat them. But right. so what am I going to do now? R- root for the Yankees? Hey, root for the Astros.
5: Yeah, you got to root for the Astros. Why? Because I Harvey, no, I don't know. You I know, have, they're a fun team.
3: I have nothing, no connection with Houston.
5: They, you no. got to watch them. They got the uh, Red they got this state. Like five it's a red foot shortstop. I don't. A red state. I don't root
3: for Red State. Teams. Oh yeah, it's, it's Ted Cruz's team, right? <laughs> That's can't, right. Can't <laughs> exactly. Root for them. Yeah. You know what? That's a good point. Or John Cochran's team. Yeah, hell with them. Shout out John Cochran. George Bush's. Shout team. out George Bush's team. Right? <laughs> uh, as we were saying, we got lots to talk about today, and a great lineup of guests. Capri Cafaro. So former state senator from Ohio will be here uh, in studio with us. He's raised in Helen, in Washington, D.C. these days. Joel Payne, Democratic strategist, joining us as well. And then Danielle Paquette from The Washington Post. And uh, with all the top stories of the day, uh, let's start with Puerto Rico. Yeah, indeed. Oh my God. It was, uh, uh, you know, first of all, we know uh, for a couple of weeks, Donald Trump just, he was so busy – Attacking NFL players, he totally forgot about Puerto Rico. He did. I mean, let's face it. He did. He didn't pay any attention to it after the administration did a pretty good job in Houston, Harvey, pretty good job in Louisiana, uh, and then for Harvey, too, and then Florida for Irma. Maria waxed Puerto Rico. Donald Trump's so busy calling NFL players sons of bitches, he doesn't do anything about it. He finally wakes up and discovers that it is an American territory And it is in the middle of the ocean, a big ocean, uh, full of turtles that bite. And he wasn't able to, we were not able to drive our trucks there. So lo and behold, he finally wakes up, sends some aid down there. And he said last October the the 6th, so a week ago today, right, Donald Trump down in Puerto Rico saying, we're going to be here as long as it takes.
6: We will not rest until that job is done. Puerto Rico has a long road of recovery ahead, very long road. But we know that its people are proud and they are resilient and they will come back strong. And we will be there all the time to help Puerto Rico recover, restore, rebuild. We're working together very closely with your great governor.
3: That's amazing that that was just a week ago, a week ago. And yesterday,
4: Donald Trump tweets out. We cannot keep FEMA, the military, and first responders, who have been amazing under the most difficult circumstances, in Puerto Rico forever. Yeah. So so, a week later, he's ready to
3: get out of Dodge. Right. And that really brought a barrage of blowback and criticism, not just from Puerto Rico, from Americans here who say, wait, what the hell? You didn't say that about Texas. You didn't say that about Louisiana. You didn't say that about Florida. I mean, why Puerto Rico? Well, of course, Donald Trump tweeting again yesterday. Well, Puerto Rico didn't pay their bills. And Puerto Rico didn't fix its infrastructure. Pardon me, infrastructure. So basically he's saying it's their own damn fault. Uh, now, you could say that about... Houston, you sure. say about Louisiana, you can say about the California wildfires. It's just simply not true. They didn't bring this destruction on themselves. Uh, Congresswoman Nidia Velasquez uh, from New York, uh, a Puerto Rican uh, yesterday, just saying, maybe Donald Trump, ought to, first of all, learn a little bit about Puerto Rico.
7: I would like to
3: suggest that the president get some history lessons Regarding
1: the Puerto Rican relationship with the United States.
3: Oh, Donald Trump, no history. Donald Trump cared to learn anything uh, about Puerto Rico, no. And about as far as his tweets go, Congresswoman Velasquez. How shameful. All the tweets that he put out this morning. And that good mayor of San Juan, she was on with Don Lemon on CNN last night, and she said, here's what Donald Trump should do. She, She did say, by the way, that things... Uh, Have uh, after after Trump finally discovered Puerto Rico, the things have gotten a little bit better.
0: No, but it has gotten better since last week. I have to say that ever since last week, when a new chain of communication uh, was uh, given to us by Homeland Security, accountability has improved and things are starting to improve. I I can now see the light and imagine the light at the end of the tunnel. I can't see it yet, but I can imagine it.
4: But you know that, that that's a good point that, that like they're they're starting to dig starting. themselves out a little bit, but like the Trump tweet yesterday came the day after there were multiple reports saying that the uh people of Puerto Rico 10% now have electricity. Have electricity. Yeah. 10% right. have electricity. And Vox did a story saying that the death toll in Puerto Rico, when this is all said and done, is going to be closer to about 500. Jeez. Not yeah. 16, like it was yeah. when Donald Trump was down there, and because I, their, their I, I, infrastructure I, is so messed up because of the hurricane,
3: yeah. and they there, can't really count the, it. The, the, the known number now is, is 45, which is already bad enough, but you know it's going to grow. By the way, so as you say, Peter, 90% of the island is still without electricity, of residents of the island do not have clean drinking water, right? And Donald Trump is saying, no, we're we're just going to pull out. In terms of, back to the mayor for just a second, here's her advice to Donald Trump about what he ought to do about his tweets.
6: We want to see things get done. So
0: rather than tweeting, get to work. Rather than saying disparaging things, let's get constructive. So, you know, if the president wants to take aim at me, I'm here. Bring it on. It doesn't matter to me because this isn't about me.
3: I love that woman. So yeah, stop tweeting and get to work, she says, exactly. Uh on on uh, Puerto Rico. A, dis, a disgrace. Down uh, what's going on down there. Uh and um so the, the other disgrace, I got to tell you. You know, I didn't make the press briefing yesterday. So I wasn't there for the humiliation of the chief uh chief of staff at the White House, uh, John Kelly. But, of course, there have been rumors that, that we know Kelly's got a really tough job trying to contain this out-of-control uh, adolescent there who's in the White House. Um, and there have been rumors that he may not last that long, that he might even <laughs> be quitting, or, or that he could be fired, or he'd just give it up and throw it, throw it, you know, throw it away and just walk away. Um, he came into the press briefing yesterday and basically, I thought, abjected himself. And you know... You know that Donald Trump told him to do this. Oh, yeah. Because Donald Trump wasn't happy with the stories that said that he might be fired. So he said, John Kelly, you've got to go out there. I order you to go out there and tell them that you're not going to be fired. It's just like he ordered Sean Spicer to come out there on the inauguration night and say it was the greatest crowd ever seen in the history of humankind. Period. Right. And Sean Spicer did it. And John Kelly did it yesterday, starting out telling the reporters there, "No, I'm not going to be. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting today.
8: Uh, <laughs> I, I don't believe, and I just talked to the president. I don't think I'm being
4: fired today." Uh huh. Can you imagine? Isn't Can a, you imagine? You're a general. I'm going to say this is a general. <clears throat> you're of a the United proud states army. A right? proud general. Who has worked your way up through the ranks of the United States military all the way to where you are now chief of staff for the president of the United United States? And you know what you got to do? You got to go out there with your little diaper on and you got to try and convince the American media that you're not getting fired today because your child of a boss made you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And, And he agreed to do it. So Kelly what goes, he, he, keeps, the world. He, he
3: keeps just sinking lower and lower. No, he says, no, I'm not leaving.
8: Unless things change, I'm yeah. not um, Notice. quitting, I'm not getting fired, and uh, I don't think I'll fire anyone tomorrow.
3: Notice the key word, unless things change.
5: Unless things change.
4: No, yeah. things, things don't change in this White House
5: daily, <laughs> hourly. By the way, you, you know what day it is? Friday the 13th. Today is Friday the 13th. All day long. Do you know what day of the week that Donald Trump (laughs) likes firing people? Yes, that's right. (laughs) It's Friday the 13th. That means it's going to be doubly. Yeah. Yeah, John Kelly. It's going to be a bloodbath.
3: Somebody had better have your back, because you know Donald Trump doesn't have your back. No way. And and Kelly says, now, as far as my job goes, right, people say my job is to control Donald Trump. Uh, John Kelly said, no, uh, that ain't my job.
8: I was not sent into or brought into control him and you should not measure my effectiveness as a chief of staff by what you think i should be doing so
5: well, what is his job what well first what, what? Yeah. <laughs> no right. seriously first i mean i got well, a chief of staff right you know you gotta well, shepherd everybody job, in and out but job that is, is controlling
3: him. him what he's really <laughs> saying is he can't control him yeah. and don't expect him to i mean the first thing i saw this morning was a tweet from donald trump yeah. saying we'll get to health care in just a minute saying that Democrats should ask him on how to fix Obamacare right but I mean, this was 5:15 this morning yeah okay And my first thought was where's John Kelly right? He's slipping yeah yeah. <laughs> As of Bob Corker said last week. Trump somebody, on, I'm slipping. Somebody lost their missed their uh, their their well, shift. Their shift. Yeah. Somebody missed their shift, right. <laughs> you can't control this guy. He is totally out of control. Unguided missile. Uh but it was it was embarrassing to see Kelly you know, it, it's sort of like, yes, boss. Yes, boss.
4: That's exactly
3: what yes, it is. Yes, master. That's yes. exactly oh, what it is. You want me to say oh, yes, master, I'll it, do that. Yes. And you know damn well. That Donald Trump was watching
5: every move. If it's not John Kelly that's controlling him, who is tasked with controlling him? Melania. What? <laughs> Melania?
3: Well, it's John Kelly who's tasked, and nobody can... The, the truth it, is... Nobody can do it. Nobody can do it. Ivanka can't. Jared can't. I mean,
4: he's... Ray says it's Barron. It's so, <laughs> the best guess yet. I tell you what, Barron knows more about how to use the internet than his dad does. Yeah, And so right after, right after... Kelly,
3: this is a little uh, humiliating experience. Uh, Donald Trump, where the reporters are called in when he's, uh, we'll get to the healthcare thing, signing the healthcare executive order yesterday. Uh, Donald Trump praises Chief of Staff John Kelly.
6: He's one of the finest people I have ever Uh had the privilege Mm -hmm. to know. Mm -hmm. And we are deeply fortunate that he is now here at the White House.
5: Not a good sign, by the way. No, that's Uh, a very bad sign.
6: That's exactly
5: (laughs) what he
3: said about Tom Price. Remember? He came out and said Tom Price was such a good man and everything. Got on the helicopter, and within five minutes, Tom Price had been fired. Yeah. (laughs) So not a good sign. It's the
4: same thing he said about Tom Price, about Reince Priebus, about I mean, take oh, yeah. your pick.
3: Yeah, exactly. John Spicer, John yeah. Spicer. They're all they're all good people. Yeah. He's,
4: he's a,
6: a, a good, good. man. Uh, he is not a racist, I can tell you that. He's a good person. <laughs> he actually gets a very unfair press in that regard. Who
5: was that? Was well, Steve Bannon? That was at the Oh, that was the press conference. <laughs> oh yeah, there, 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 there Bannon, the <laughs> Bannon's gone. Oh, that's right. Doesn't I, that uh, feel like a year ago? Do you know thought, what day that was? That was August fifteenth.
3: No oh kidding, just two
5: months ago. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I thought
4: he, that's it, unbelievable.
3: He honestly. could have been talking about Jeff Sessions too, and when he said that, but that was Bannon. <laughs> God. At any rate, yes. And so, what was um, <laughs> what were the reporters called in for? They were called in because Donald Trump. So um, he is systematically trying to destroy to sab- and sabotage Obamacare. We know. That this is a another campaign promise of his. He says he's going, to, but but it's juxtaposed with the campaign promise that I'm going to provide universal health care, health care for everybody, that's going to be better and cheaper and more accessible. And he's going in just the opposite direction. Now, so he can't get the repeal bill through Congress. Tried once, tried again, failed. Republicans couldn't deliver in the Congress. So Donald Trump is systematically destroying Obamacare by executive order every single day as much as he can. Yesterday, he's done some other stuff as well. Remember by reversing the thing on contraception last week. Um, But yesterday he signed this executive order, which was really funny because he gave the big (laughs) speech and then he walked away without signing it. And Mike Pence had to grab him by the shoulder and say, Mr. President, Mr. President.
4: Again. Doofus,
3: you got to sign the paper. This is not
4: the first time he's done this. It's
3: not the first time. No. Right.
4: I mean, we should have at some point a real discussion about the mental health of the president of the United States. He's there for one thing, to sign this executive order, and he forgot to do it. Forgot to do it. My favorite part about it is that Mike Pence literally has to stretch
5: his arm out yeah. as far as <laughs> yeah. he can yeah. to make sure that he gets Trump's attention because Trump is like a child with severe ADHD who cannot sit still.
4: The, mm-hmm. Mike Pence it has to turn into Dikembe Mutombo to block Trump from leaving the room. <laughs> Get back here! <laughs> and then he's going to turn around and do it.
3: So in the substance, what Donald Trump did yesterday was <coughs> got one of the main provisions of Obamacare so he uh, he signed an executive order which would allow companies to uh, band together uh, form a little group and then offer health insurance to their employees to their healthy employees, which are lower cost and and provide lower benefits so in other words, they provide this little pool for healthy people which means that anybody who might have a pre-existing condition or have some illness like uh, MS or something they've been living with, uh, they don't qualify for those health care plans. And again, part of the brilliance of Obamacare was getting rid of that preexisting condition uh, advantage that the insurance companies used to have so that everybody can be in the pool. And unless everybody is in the pool, it's it's like fire insurance on your home, right? Whether your house burns down or not, you've got the fire insurance. You don't just have to pay... When your house catches on fire, he,
4: just, he doesn't understand how insurance works. No,
3: it's the healthy. Everybody's in the pool, and then those poor people who are inflicted or hurt in some way—they're the ones that we all benefit because we know someday it could be us. Anyhow, Donald Trump pulled the plug on that yesterday. It was one blow against Obamacare, and then yesterday evening they announced the second blow, which could come. They announced they're going to do this. This could come as early as today or it could come, they say, maybe the beginning of November, uh, that, uh, again, one of the the main features of Obamacare and the reason it was able to cover so many millions and millions of Americans is because for those people who couldn't afford to purchase even the lowest-cost plan under Obamacare, they could qualify for federal subsidies. Six million Americans are getting subsidies under Obamacare. 57% of the people who signed up under Obamacare couldn't get health insurance without that federal subsidy. And the amount of subsidy they get depends on their income level. Donald Trump and the, the Trump and White House announced last, night, announced last night they're going to just do away with the subsidies altogether. No more subsidies for nobody whatsoever. Now, again, who does this impact? This impacts Six million Americans, the, who the poorest of Americans, low-income Americans, working families who just can't afford it, and a lot of them in red states, yeah. and a lot of them I I'm sure Trump voters.
4: The, they are a couple doesn't really, care. The, 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 doesn't care. This is a really telling look I think, into who Donald Trump is. And the big takeaway, the big message here for me is Donald Trump doesn't care about anybody. Because the amount of people that are going to be affected negatively by this, I don't know that we can put a number on this morning. It's going to be so many. Per the CBO, because the CBO scored this, what it was going to look like if these subsidies went away, premiums will increase by 20% in 2018 and right. 25% in 2020. The deficit will go up by $6 billion in 2018 right. and $21 billion by 2020. So not only do you have these people who are relying on the Affordable Care Act who are going to see their subsidies or see their premiums go up, you're going to have to have a Republican Party go out there and run on this. Oh, yeah. And we've already seen how toxic it is when you try and start telling people you're going to take their insurance away. They haven't been able to get anything done up until this point because people were pissed. These are all
3: people who were able to buy health insurance for themselves and for their families for the very first time in their lives, thanks to a federal subsidy. And by the way, Republican leaders in Congress, I mean, all of across the board, have said publicly I mean, there may be one or two exceptions. And so keep the subsidies. subsidy. Keep whatever we do. We're going to keep the subsidies because without that, again, millions and millions of Americans just simply can't afford health insurance. Donald Trump, again, doesn't care. He's going to pull the plug on that. But, you know, this is a pattern. If you look about it, Paris Accords pulling out of that Iran nuclear deal. Get to that in a second. If we have time, Donald Trump says he's going to he's going to pull out of that. I mean, you go across the board, um, anything, uh, Dreamers, dropping that program, Obamacare, dropping that program, and in every one of those cases, replacing it with nothing. Nothing. So this is the pattern of the Trump administration is just, it's the wrecking crew. We're going to go and undo everything that might have been done by Barack Obama and replace it with nothing. They have come up with no program of their own
4: in any of these areas. No. And the thing that's that's so bad about this, I think, and, and it, again, gives you a little bit of insight into who Donald Trump is, is they had a chance to repeal Obamacare and replace it with something, right? That was sort of the job they were tasked to, to do. They couldn't do it. Yeah. Trump then said, Obamacare is going to implode on its own. Obamacare is going to implode. And when it became clear that wasn't going to happen... He decided
3: to make it happen.
4: He's going to try and oh, force yeah. it to implode yeah. by taking no. away... Multiple key Absolutely. factors to that make it successful.
3: Absolutely. In fact, um, you got to read my column today, Peter. We got to get that out. Of my course. column for the Chicago Tribune today makes that very, very point. That yeah, these that that these big items, and we talk about it all the time. Hey, nothing's happened on infrastructure. Hey, that's true. Nothing happened on repeal. They promised it of Obamacare. Nothing happened on immigration reform. Nothing happened on tax reform, and it won't be before the end of the year. But meanwhile, systematically. On program after program after program, Donald Trump is using his pen, the executive order, and federal rules and regulations, another thing, the clean the clean power rules uh, on, under the EPA, systematically is going and destroying everything that everything that has been built up. And remember, again, and by the way, Congresswoman Ileana Ross-Layton, Republican from Florida, she's not running for reelection, election uh, she said yesterday, uh, criticizing Donald Trump for this move, saying, wait a minute. This is a guy, one of the reasons she said I supported him is because he promised for my people greater access, lower cost, and better health insurance coverage. And she said he is delivering just the opposite by this double whammy. And, of course, the other thing, which we'll find out today exactly, it's a little murky as to what they're going to do, but no doubt – Uh, Donald Trump has said he is not happy. Of course, he said that over and over again with the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, And it appears that what he's going to do is say is not cancel it altogether, which, by the way, he can't because it's a deal reached between Iran, the United States and five of our allies. We cannot unilaterally scuttle it. Maybe Donald Trump doesn't know that yet. Um, But he's going to say he's not happy with it. He thinks Iran is cheating on it, even though everybody else says they are they are abiding by the rules. Uh, and he's going to throw it to Congress and say, all right, Congress, I want you to come up with a list of things uh, and reasons why we should put even more sanctions uh, on Iran. We'll see what he does about that. But it's one more case of getting Donald Trump um, trying to undo uh, a great deal, actually that puts Iran out of the nuclear weapon business for 15 years uh, and replace it with absolutely nothing. Hard to keep up with all the damage he has done. It is going to take us—already, uh, already he has done enough damage. It is going to take us decades to recover, uh, and we're only into month 10. Um, how long will it continue? Well, well. Steve Bannon, by the way, was quoted in Van- Vanity Fair. has a quote from Steve Bannon. Uh, He says there's only a 30% chance that Donald Trump will finish his first term.
4: I found that to be really interesting. Isn't it? I I don't think we should put all of our eggs in that basket, but I think that Steve Bannon knows Donald Trump pretty well. And I don't know what he means by that, that he he means Robert Mueller is
3: going to come down with something. Or that the Republicans will finally have enough of this guy and throw him overboard? I or I would, I Trump would. gets bored, Trump which gets is bored. something
5: that we, you know, had talked about when he first got elected, yeah. and Trump is still bored. a real possibility. That's the one I never believe
3: because, boy, if there's anything would satisfy your ego, man, it's Air Force One
2: <laughs> and that motor,
3: and that motorcade and all that crap. You I know, get that in the state dining room, but sure. anyhow, Steve Bannon, only the two 30% scoops of ice joke. cream. <laughs> <laughs> That's Exactly. <right. laughs> yeah. More on the healthcare, tobacco and uh, the uh, Trump White House with uh, Capri Cafaro, political commentator and a former state senator from Ohio. Good friend. She'll be joining us here in studio with all of you. Stay tuned.
6: He's a good man. Uh, he is not a racist. I can tell you that.
2: Download our podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show. New great channel. Stream live video at YouTube.com slash the Bill Press Show.
3: How about it? On a Friday, October 13. Here we are. Uh, the Bill Press Show. Watch out for the Black Cats today, huh? Oh
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sound effects.
3: We got it. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. It is the Bill Press Show. We're right here in our studio on Capitol Hill. And brought to you today by the Laborers International Union of North America, uh, Laborers International Union of North America, Layuna, and uh, under President um, Terry O'Sullivan, the good men and women of Layuna thank them for the support of the program and send you to the website liunabuildsamerica.com. dot com. Joining us in studio, our good friend, former state senator from Ohio, now political commentator. Uh, and also with American University here in Washington D.C., Capri Cafaro. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thank Everything you. Good. Fantastic.
3: If you're not suspicious on a Friday 13. You... i
0: I mean, I'm from the Mahoning Valley, and as you know, we we were, we are born to be suspicious. So Friday the 13th is nothing new.
3: It's just uh, <laughs> it's just another day. Just another day, right? <laughs> good. Uh, among other issues, you've been talked about writing about lately. Um, Should we have seen Harvey Weinstein coming and should Democrats maybe have not gotten so cozy with him?
0: Uh, I think there there are two parts to that. Yes, I think everyone should have seen Harvey Weinstein coming in the sense that, uh, you know, there's obviously a culture in Hollywood – uh, that, um, turns a blind eye to women in, or excuse me, to men in power. Um, there's, uh, I think, a tacit acceptance that, you know, this is something that is part and parcel of, uh, you know, the entertainment industry. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, I, I, you know, taking contributions from this man without, you know, specific evidence of wrongdoing, you know, is a a different issue. So I think the question now is it's not a, you know, it's not necessarily 2020 hindsight of should you take them to begin with. It's what do you do in the face of, uh, you know, mounting allegations of not only sexual assault, but but rape.
3: But rape, right. Well, again, I don't travel in that crowd. I mean, I did at one time, actually. But
0: You're from California,
3: right? Cal- California, and when I was Democratic state chair, all the it, studio heads, oh yeah. I knew them all. And, yeah. and, and, but Harvey was not active at that time. I never met him, don't know him at all.
0: My, me neither.
3: But So I never heard these reports, but apparently, like even um, Anthony Bourdain, yeah. Said, yeah, and his I saw girlfriend that. Yeah. is one of the She's ones one who, of the women, yeah, who. But said that everybody knew for years that there were these re- reports about about Harvey's reputation. Um, yeah,
0: well, I, I think that again, I think it's more of a commentary on, um, you know, the imbalance of power um, and and the fear of you know really uh, bringing this out into the light because of uh, you know retribution or um, you know uh, killing someone's career. I mean, the the, the reach yeah. of Harvey Weinstein. Uh, is is so far and wide that, you know, again, you see people like Gwyneth Paltrow and, and Angelina Jolie that never spoke up. And if they're, you know, and those folks, you know, years later, obviously, have an established career separate and apart from him. Um, and they still didn't come out until a number of other women came forward.
3: Jane Fonda was quoted this morning as saying she knew. She had heard all of this and never said anything. I think she herself had not been harassed right? It, but she knew about a woman who had and never said anything. And she says, I'm ashamed of myself that I that I didn't. Well, on your point about power, um, former Vice President Joe Biden, who, by the way, is sort of the leader in Absolutely. this effort of all with the Violence Against Women Act. Exactly. Right? I spoke about that uh, yesterday. yesterday's exactly uh, putting it in context, I think, echoing what you just said. Sexual assault is not about sex It's about power It's about the abuse of power And it's about Deeply embedded attitudes in our culture That for a thousand years Have shamed the victims And allowed the perpetrators to escape The consequences of their actions It's a big part of it, isn't it?
0: Yep
4: You you know what really, what really drove that point home is we've heard that a lot, right? It's not about sex; it's about the powers. When you hear that tape of Harvey Weinstein, oh yeah, when he's talking to that one,
0: the one, the Italian woman in New York, yeah,
4: Yeah. and she was wearing a wire, and he's not violent. He's he's not talking about sex specifically. Don't embarrass me. And it's very, I mean, persuasive is not the word I'm looking for, but he's just very. in his commands to her. Right. Right? Like, come to my room. Come to my room. Why won't you just come to my room? And just on and on and on and on and on. Here he is. I'm not going to do anything. I swear, my children, please come in on everything. I'm
7: a famous I'm, guy. I'm
6: feeling very uncomfortable please right now. Please come
7: in now. And please come in and now. You leave. when the guy comes with my jacket. Why yesterday you, can
3: go... you touched my breast?
4: Oh, please, I'm sorry. Just come on. I'm used to that. But, I'm used to that. I'm used to that. No, but
3: I'm
0: not yeah. used to that.
3: Look, you know who I am. You got to come into my room. Yeah, wait here. I'm going to take a shower. Wait here. It's just disgusting. He's not angry. Right. He's
4: not aggressive in the sense that, like, we think of aggressive people right. being sort of no. heated, no, but just not. like, oh, it's uh, it's a
0: matter of per- it's persistence, and it's that 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 uh, you know, silent understanding of of who he is.
3: Hillary got some grief that it took her three days before Five. she spoke up. Five, okay. Yeah, uh, grief deserved.
0: Yeah. I, you know, and, and I wrote about this and, and got, you know, sort of uh, both praise uh, and and punches from all sides of the aisle on it. But, but frankly, you know, look, I, I am a woman, I authored the Rape Kit Backlog Law in Ohio. I am a licensed social worker who trained with victims of domestic violence and, you know, worked closely with a number of advocacy organizations for those that are victims of sexual assault. Um, you know democrats in particular have always prided ourselves um as being advocates for victims voice for the voiceless and you know hillary in particular uh obviously you know has you know led her life uh, you know as you know both a private citizen and as, as a candidate and an elected official as someone who's championed for women now she's no longer running for office and uh, you know i think that that the hesitation of her speaking up at least plays into this narrative that Hillary Clinton is expedient, politically expedient, and says stuff and does stuff when she thinks that it is beneficial to her. And I think it sends the wrong message and I think it sends the wrong message to victims. I think it sends the wrong message on behalf of Democrats, although there are many sitting elected officials that spoke up immediately. Um, I was a heartbroken as well by Joe Biden's taking the time yeah. uh, as well. Um, but. You know, they now everybody has has come out and made a statement, but I think there are some that feel like it's too little, too late. It
3: was just yeah, it took it took a little while. By the way, you know the whole the other area, and we've talked about this a lot, particularly with Congresswoman Jackie Speier, is that the military has yet to come to oh, that is uh, absolutely it, it come to its senses about sexual harassment. There, there was just another I, Kristen I just saw,
0: Gillibrand's been very involved in that. Yeah, as well. Yeah, Kristen Gillibrand. There yeah. was yeah. just
3: another uh, officer who's been under investigation, and and they decided not to follow any uh, the military itself right. decided not to, uh, not to... And that's the challenge
0: uh, of adjudicating to, yourself.
3: To discipline this guy. Yeah. yeah. exactly. And that's what they've been saying. Mm-hmm. You cannot have the officers in the military deciding who in the military is going to get, right. get charged. Uh, and it just brings it all to mind seeing this happen now. No question. Um, in Hollywood. So uh, Donald Trump, a double whammy on uh, health care, on Obamacare in particular. Yesterday, signing one executive order... Saying that you can sell these low-cost, low-benefit mm-hmm. insurance plans just for healthy people, and then after that was done, they announced that the next thing we're going to do is just get rid of all the subsidies for people that to uh, who can't afford it to purchase health insurance.
0: Boy, do I have a lot to say about this. <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> I mean, he's trying to do what he couldn't get Congress to do, right?
0: That's well, I, I mean, and let's put this in, into context for the listeners. This is not the first uh, action executive order that. Uh, President Trump and the White House has made in regards to trying to chip away at the potential success of of the insurance marketplace. First, they curtailed the open enrollment period uh, Mm -hmm. by about six weeks. So now it's November 1st to December 15th. So you have a shorter period of open enrollment, which means, you know, it's more difficult for folks to enroll. Second, they cut the uh, outreach and and advertising to promote when open enrollment is by 90 percent. Third, what they did was they cut overall, aggregately, uh, in-person navigator uh, grants, mm-hmm. which is for those that sit down and actually help you pick a plan. <laughs> and
3: fill out your and form fill out and the all forms, of that.
0: Yeah. By 41%. In the state of Ohio, we actually have been cut by 71%. Uh, I'm also on the board of the Ohio Association of Free Clinics. We, are, uh, we have historically been um, part of the grant recipients to have the navigators were some of the most efficient. Uh, what HHS had said was, oh, we cut uh, based on, you know, Lack of enrollment numbers and lack of performance. Well, that's simply not true because in Ohio, our in, in-person assister numbers for enrollment are very high. Yeah, we were cut by seventy-one percent. Mm-hmm. So you put that laying over the what you know they just did yesterday with basically saying we're going to have these association health plans. You don't necessarily have to um, you know have the essential health benefits. We're going to have these short-term plans, um, and then the real. The real death knell, frankly, is uh, the uh, refusal to pay the cost sharing reduction or the subsidies to insurance companies. Without that, the insurance market will be absolutely destabilized. You compound that with, you know, basically healthy people leaving the risk pool, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know they're going to get their wish, and and the Affordable Care and, and the insurance marketplace is going to collapse under its own weight, as they keep saying.
3: Right, and there's no doubt that if you take away the subsidies, then the insurance companies are going to have to hike their premiums. That's right.
0: right. They have no choice. I mean, because for those that – because basically what happens is the insurance marketplace right now is going to stay as is when it comes to uh, being required to have those essential health benefits, right? But these association health plans would be the alternative to that, theoretically, to say, okay, you can have a slimmed-down plan you can buy. As long you as can you're help- healthy. Exactly. So what happens is, is that there's this adverse selection that occurs uh, where healthy people that don't necessarily need it are going to go out of the marketplace, maybe choose an association health plan, um, you know, and, and that contributes to destabilizing the market. It, it contributes to higher premiums with those with pre-existing conditions and, and in many ways returns us to what we were, you know, doing in the past, um, you know, and there's no guarantee that even within an association health plan, somebody who's older is not going to be charged a higher... Premium than someone who is younger or, within the. Oh, you know they
3: will. Yeah. You know they well, were. and
0: this is nothing new. I mean, Republicans have come out with association health plans along with health savings accounts as the two holy grails of being able to fix health care right. for decades. Yeah. Um, and and because of this cherry picking and adverse selection, it's it's never going to be successful for the people. I do want to say just one really quick thing that, you know, right now this executive order does really nothing except for direct Department of Labor, HHS, and I think the IRS yeah. uh, to, you know, basically look at how they can figure out how to do this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be long and arduous, um, and it's going to take a long time to, to get done.
3: But it does move in that direction, right? It gives them that direction. This is what you ought to be doing. You're right. It's That's not right. overnight. Right. Uh, like many of the things. Except for the
0: CSR. The cost-sharing reduction could actually but, happen immediately,
3: right? If they so, pull the plug on the on the on exactly. The, uh, subsidies.
4: It, it, to me, it just it just shows a fundamental understanding of how these things work. Like the Affordable Care Act, love it or hate it, is a complicated big idea that the Obama administration didn't get right necessarily the very first time. Like it took them a little bit of trial and error to, to figure a couple of these things out, right? Right. As we remember.
0: (laughs) And even Zeke Emanuel has just, you know, has said, look, you know, as an architect of this, it it needs some work. Sure. No one's saying it's perfect. Right,
4: right. But, like, it's a big, complicated issue that, like, I think that the Obama administration took the time to figure out, like, if we make this move, what happens here? And if we make this move, what happens to this section of the society? Mm -hmm. And Donald Trump just doesn't care. He doesn't care who gets hurt. And by the way, this is not only going to hurt American citizens who rely on it for health but it's also going to hurt his own party. Like they're going to have to run on this thing,
0: I think it's possible. I think what he's going to – I think what is more likely than not is I think he will point the, the finger back to Congress and say, well, I had to do what you couldn't do. So because you guys didn't act, if you had something better that you could do, then you should have done it and you didn't. Yeah. So I think that you know it's going to – the finger pointing is going to go back to Congress, I believe. And I think this but, is truly just all about trying to get a political victory. But this
3: is a Congress too where members of his own – leaders of his own party have been publicly saying – don't, get Don't do rid. this. Don't do this. Don't right. get rid of particularly of the save. Uh, yeah, the
0: cost the cost sharing reduction. You call them CSR, you call CSR. them
3: the subsidies. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Uh, tell us about tell us how they work. Um how big are they? It Does this depend on what your income level is? And there,
0: there are two separate qualifi- issues. Who
3: qualifies so, for these? So
0: cost-sharing reductions are not actually the subsidies that individuals receive. Um, cost-sharing reductions are what the insurance companies get okay. to basically stabilize their you know risk to be able to take on those that have you know uh, more uh, pre-existing conditions. So it, it helps stabilize that. the um, The tax credits... Um, that are the direct subsidies uh, to individuals uh, do rely on on income, um, any place from 137% FPL, federal poverty limit, up to, mm-hmm. I think, 250% um, FPL. And depending on where you are on that determines how much of a tax credit you get against paying for your premium. So, I mean, those sort of the two general things. But the cost-sharing reduction basically, you know, helps – stabilize the insurance companies and make sure they don't pull out. One of the things Republicans always criticized was you know, these folks are pulling out, there's not going to be any there's going to be counties with no choices Well, you want to guarantee that? You take away the cost-sharing, cost-sharing right. reduction because it's not good business um, for these folks to cover people with pre-existing conditions. Right. On the
3: other track right, these subsidies, You know, mm-hmm. the headline in the New York Times, President Ending Health Subsidies for Poor People These are people, my understanding is that they could never afford the cheapest of the plans under Obamacare right. unless they had some help from the federal government, right? That's correct. And, and so these are low income people. You, I'm sure you, you have a lot of experience with them in Ohio. Um, uh, these are people in a red state. A lot of them are in red oh, states sure. and blue states and um, Republicans and Democrats. What I don't know is what is the advantage of how many people signed up, 8 million or something under the subsidies? And uh, what's the advantage of just pulling the plug on all of them? Because then Where they're do not they going to they go to they the emergency room. Right?
0: Exactly. They don't. They don't have health insurance at all um, because they're not going to be able to afford it. Um, and, and I think maybe uh, this whole short term plan business might be the way that they get at they keep talking about, quote unquote, continuous coverage um, as a, as like the replacement for the individual mandate. So maybe this is the way they deal with it is like a stopgap measure, but it's still not efficient. I mean, again, we're not looking at the end user, you know, uh, that is a human being that ultimately is going to cost, you know, the system more money um, as it has been. I mean, people act like premiums were not going up prior to the Affordable Care Act. They were going up faster prior to the Affordable Care Act.
3: Isn't it, isn't it, it in, uh, uh, there are a lot of us, myself included, very critical of the Affordable Care Act, because it didn't cover everybody. It didn't go far enough. But boy, when you look at it now, right, what Donald Trump is trying to do to it, it certainly was a lot better than the previous system was. Right. Where we were totally at the mercy of the insurance companies and the pharmaceutical companies. And you name it. And now, I mean, mean, what Trump, he's not offering any alternative either, right? Right. It's back, as you say, it's back to the way things used to be.
0: Exactly, and I mean, and I and we
3: know how unfair that was.
0: No question about it. I mean, you even look at things like lifetime limits. You know, yeah, you have right, a situation right. like you know, open heart surgery, for example. Hello, you're gonna you're, hi there. Exactly. <laughs> Hello, they would,
3: they would have dropped him like a hot potato. Dropped well, that's the like thing. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Th-
4: that's a real thing. I mean, you cost us too much conditions? money, dude. Yeah, I would have cost you. You're guys like a lot Puerto of money.
3: Rico. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You cost us too much money. <laughs> you busted our budget. Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> we
0: can't hang out with you. For, forever now.
3: Yeah, exactly. No. Uh-uh. We're going to have to. What, by <laughs> the way, so what's your take on Donald Trump and the latest on Puerto Rico? Telling him yesterday, um, we can't stay there forever. In fact, if we played this a little earlier, just to remind ourselves. So this is not a year ago. This is Donald Trump a week ago.
6: We will not rest until that job is done Puerto Rico has a long road of recovery ahead, very long road. But we know that its people are proud and they are resilient and they will come back strong. And we will be there all the time to help Puerto Rico recover, restore, rebuild. We're working together very closely with your great governor.
3: That was a week ago. He said that October the 6th. And then yesterday he says, well, we can't be in Puerto Rico forever. You know, the the, F, the FEMA and the military can't be there forever. What's going on?
0: You know, I, I think this is a fundamental, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, misunderstanding of... Misund- pu-
4: Misunderestimation? Well, no, mis- <laughs> mis- <laughs>
0: misunderstanding of of Puerto Rico being, you know, port- and Puerto Ricans being American citizens. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there does seem to be a uh, a separate kind of response... To Puerto Rico now, yes, okay, I understand that they had debt and there are all these issues. But you know, the, the Congress has also been well, like reluctant. Who yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Congress has been reluctant to act. You know, to help rectify you know the, the debt issues in Puerto Rico. You know, there hasn't been any uh, you know movement in regards to statehood. I mean, so there there are fundamental challenges related to Puerto Rico. I get that. Previously to that. Again, though, these are human human beings that are American citizens that are without power, that have hospitals that are being you, you know run by generators. People are dying. Uh, people don't have electricity. It's people don't have potable water. water. Exactly. Right. And and um, you know, let me put it this way: if this were uh, if this were Florida, if this were you know Texas, uh, um, you know, I think we would be seeing a very very different outcry. You
3: bet. You bet. Absolutely. No, I mean there's no there's no doubt about and it. And I mean,
0: maybe it's just out of sight, out of mind because it's so far away. But it still not doesn't make it right.
3: It could be white versus brown. I would lo- I would uh, love. I, I mean, I, I, I you
0: said par- it.
4: I do think that's part of it. But I also do think that if you were to ask ten people on the street, are Puerto Ricans American citizens? Ten
0: of them would say we have no idea. Way- no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, 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 I mean, Eleven it, of them would say no.
4: <laughs> I really don't I really think there's a disconnect there. And I really think that the President of the United States is one of those people who doesn't believe Absolutely. the Puerto Ricans are American citizens. He doesn't even know it now.
3: Or but let's talk he about this though. I mean
0: there was some discussion. I mean, but I think that there is a recognition that the folks in the US Virgin Islands are
3: I know. Yeah. Maybe it's because it's got that US Virgin Islands. I yeah, know. right. But uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just the the callousness of it, you know, uh, and and also slamming them for having that their infrastructure was not like right. right up to date. Hello, how about our infrastructure? Right. I mean, how about our electrical grid, our roads, our right. bridges, our sewer treatment plants? This is even Donald Trump who recognizes that and during as a candidate right. and said we needed a trillion dollar. I still infrastructure don't understand plan. why we didn't
0: why everybody didn't start with infrastructure reform out of the out of the the gate, it would have made for a lot, I think, a better climate in this town uh had they started there instead of with, you know, the the travel ban, the Muslim ban and uh, you know And healthcare. Uh, and healthcare. I mean those two things out of the gate were incredibly divisive. You wanted to come in, he's a builder it would have been a great bipartisan way to go and then ease your way into the bigger things that you want to do but that's obviously well, here we are in October and that is not what happened. I can't believe it's almost been a year since the election.
3: If you, you're you so right. I believe if they had started with an infrastructure plan um, he would have had bipartisan support. He could have gotten it done. So he was sworn in the end of January. By the, I bet you by early March. March. Yep. Early March he could have signed that bill.
0: Yep. And that Putting people been, back to work.
3: Yeah. I mean that would have been a huge... Huge, yep. huge positive step, and would have started this administration off in a whole different light. Incre- incredible! It's maybe, absolutely true. maybe, maybe paved a maybe made it possible then for
0: Democrats, and Republicans to maybe to work, work together y- on, on some, some other, other things. things. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Right. So, God, why aren't you and I running this show? I don't know. It's a really good question. <laughs> Nobody listens to us, Bill.
4: Twenty twenty is right around the
3: corner. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same. Are you feeling good about twenty eighteen?
0: Um, I'm ambivalent about 2018, frankly. I mean, I think that, again, I've said this a million times districts, um, you know, congressional districts are what they are. Um, you know, gerrymandering uh, is not going to change the dynamic. Um, we've seen that in a number of special elections across the country up to this point mm, that have shown so. that. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. The Senate is really what to watch.
3: Yeah, we'll be out there fighting a the good fight, though. Absolutely. Indeed. Thank you. Your- so good to see you. Absolutely. Thank you, you too, so much. Uh, and you can follow her on Twitter at The Honorable CSC, right?
0: Indeed. At May The Nichols.
3: Honorable CSC. Coming back, Joel Payne, a Democratic strategist, joins us here in the studio. So don't run away. Come back. Stay with this us. We'll be right back.
2: is the Bill
3: Press Show.
2: I ain't leaving.
3: I ain't quitting. I ain't getting fired. That's what John Kelly said yesterday. Um, We'll find out whether he still still has a job today on this Friday the 13th. Hello, everybody. Great to see you. Uh, Welcome to the Bill Press Show this Friday, October thirteenth. And it's good to have you with us here in our studio on Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C. That's where we start, but we end up Alongside of you, right along, right with you, anywhere you are in this great land of ours, uh, to bring you the news of the day, all the updates, uh, and on the political front, particularly pleased to welcome to the studio our good friend, Democratic strategist, uh, former head of African American advertising for the Hillary Clinton for President campaign, uh, Mr. Joel Payne. Hi, Joel. Nice Hi. to see you. How are you? Thanks good for coming you. in. Good to see a while. this guy back too.
7: Yeah. yeah how about it?
4: <laughs> I'm here. I'm here.
3: Yeah. He's, he's still not at 100 percent. Lazarus, back from the dead. Trump's Probably. America, man, is really <laughs> taking a soul on you. <laughs> I know it is. Yeah, but uh, with a good health, a good union health insurance damn plan, straight. you know it. Yeah, that's right. Damn straight. It brings you through those times that you never prepare for, you never expect, but when it happens, you know it. The union makes us strong and keeps us strong. Anyhow, we want to hear from you on the news of the day uh, on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, And we will jump right into the news of the day uh, with all of you and Joel Payne. But first... This is the
2: Full Court Press.
4: Just a couple of other stories making news. Okay, so Roger Goodell Uh, takes a lot of grief on Twitter. He's not a very popular man online. There has been one notable person who has been out there tweeting lots of support for Roger Goodell and fighting with people who are critical. the person goes by the name Jones Smith on Twitter has the name for argument that's the Twitter handle has no followers, no photos and has since been deleted. The Wall Street Journal found out that the person behind that Twitter account is none other than former Fox News anchor Jane Skinner, who also happens to be married to Roger Goodell. No. So his wife is out there fighting his fights for him online under an alias. I am amazed by this story. Maybe I shouldn't be, but, like, I'm so fascinated by it. You
5: know, a lot of people say that Twitter's a garbage fire. It should have never been invented. It was a mistake. True. But this is why I love Twitter. Yeah. Because things like this happen.
7: Same as as Kevin Durant did a couple weeks
4: ago. Exactly. Jane Skinner is the new Kevin Kevin Durant. Durant. That's right. It's amazing, (laughs) though. Like
3: This is why I love good investigative reporting. Amen. Amen. To come out like this. Yeah. Uh, get moving. You remember Here's that? I was just thinking, would Carol do that for me? No. 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 Yeah, I tell you what. Hell no. Would Lucinda get... do that for you? No, sir.
7: Uh-uh. Get you a
4: woman that would do that for you.
7: My fiance <laughs> would do that for that's me. A real, that's would. a
4: woman that's got your back. That's, that's for right. sure. That's right. Let's move. Those were the words from Michelle Obama when she was first lady. Yes. It was all about uh, trying to get the obesity epidemic under control. Well, the National Center for Health Statistics released new statistics on obesity, and they are not good. We are now... At an all time high for adults. Forty percent of adults and nineteen percent of youth are obese. There's been a staggering rise in obesity, particular in adult particularly in adults since nineteen ninety nine, with no signs of it slowing down. So again, this is the National Center for Health Statistics say that we have only gotten bigger and unhealthier.
3: I don't think you can blame Michelle Obama.
4: I wasn't <laughs> believing Michelle Obama. I'm just like she tried to get a handle so. on it. She tried to warn us and like First here of all, we are. It
3: takes a lot of time uh to turn to turn the you know turn the tide. Also, man, the fast food industry is just growing faster and faster. We had
4: seen some of the childhood obesity rates come down under yeah, the yeah. Obamas, but now they're even going back up. But adults, we are the highest we've ever been.
5: A year ago today that uh, Michelle Obama speech in New Hampshire for Hillary, probably one of the most memorable
7: speeches in oh, yeah. the campaign. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, indeed. I know in it. <laughs>
2: On your radio, on TV, and online, this is the Bill Press Show. Yes, John Kelly
3: forced the gun at his head to go out in front of the press, press corps yesterday and say, I ain't quitting, I ain't leaving, and as far as I know, I'm not getting fired. Hello, everybody. What do you say? A pretty humiliating experience for a former general of the United States Army, uh, but that's the way Donald Trump treats people. On this Friday, October thirteenth, we roll with the news of the day. Good to join you, and thank you for joining us as we come to you live from uh, the Washington, Washington D.C., our nation's capital. And a little perch right here down the street from the United States Capitol Building, our studio on Capitol Hill. Thanks so much for being there online on YouTube, youtubecom slash Show, on Free Speech TV. And out in the greater Chicago area where they are still celebrating, no doubt, this morning and been celebrating all night long with the Cubs, um, beating our Nationals. Um, but a long, long game. But it took you every last pitch to beat the Nationals last night. At uh, any rate, the Cubs move on to play the Dodgers um, and then uh, move on maybe all the way to the World Series and repeat that World Series championship this year. They got year. a what shot. They certainly got a damn good shot. So congratulations, Chicago. Thanks for joining us. Joel Payne, Democratic strategist here in studio with us for this hour. Hello, Joel. Good morning, Bill. Uh, nice to see you. Uh, we've uh, covered a lot of ground this morning and have had a lot of comments so far. Jamie?
5: That's right. We're on up to date. Twitter at BP Show, on Twitter at BP Show, and on YouTube at YouTube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. We'll start in the YouTube chat room. Some folks commenting on John Kelly. Uh, Go Blue, Adam says, John Kelly, get back in your hole. And control the funky orange crazy kids. Who are they
4: talking about there? Point
5: there. Uh, Heading over to Twitter, Twitter at BP Show, Barbara says, Trump is impossible to control. Witness the destruction of ACA to hurt people and the total lack of compassion for Puerto Rico. Kelly thinks Trump knows they're American citizens, but he doesn't. Prejudice, bigotry, and greed rule now. Barbara got those 280 characters. Shout out to Barbara. Oh, what a Barbara. (laughs) And uh, one last one from our buddy Fred. Fred says, Trump is merely a puppet for Putin. His antics in the White House are a distraction to Russia, Russia publicans, consolidating his power. Russia
4: publicans?
5: While media sleep. How do we not think of that already? Russia publicans. That's perfect, right? right? So we're on Twitter at BP Show in YouTube, the YouTube.com backslash the Bill Press Show chat room. Drop us a note there. All right,
3: there you go. Thank you. You know one thing, Joel, that uh, John Kelly said yesterday, uh, and Kelly and Conway has said this countless times, even Melania said this. The, the The defense of Donald Trump is: if you attack him, he has a right to attack you back. Uh, and they, they just basically, under that rubric, they excuse anything that Donald Trump does or says. He's got a right to defend himself. Well, I mean,
7: what do you think about that? At a certain level, it's right, but at the same time, Well, Well, it, right? it, it's right if uh, you're 10 years old and you're on a playground or if you're <laughs> – I mean, my, my my mom told me not to allow myself to get pushed around, but I wasn't the leader of the free world, right? So when every one of your words matter and when your actions matter and when you are supposed to be a leader, um, you are not supposed to be baited so easily into fights, Um, one, because it's unbecoming of the office, but two, because it's not the strategic use of the presidency that we've seen used in the past. There's also also a point in there about punching down. Yeah. You know, like, he only picks
4: fights that he thinks he's going to win. Right? Like, he doesn't take on big issues or big things. He takes on, like, petty, petty things.
3: And he also does it in a very personal, demeaning kind of way. Witness his tweets about... Bob Corker. Oh, yeah. This week. Right. It's not just Senator Corker. It's little.
7: But his purposely but his,
3: misspelled little D.D. Robert Corker.
7: His sensibilities are the sensibilities of the worst angels of our nature. Right. I mean, it's it is. He is the embodiment of the worst impulses of this country. Um, you know, I and I actually call his presidency the permission slip presidency. Because it gives a permission slip to his supporters, to the people who uh, live and die by him, to be disrespectful, to eliminate people from the process, to divide, um, to not allow folks to have a voice. That is what his presidency has turned out to be. It's the permission slip presidency. Right. Uh, and, um, and and Kelly yesterday saying again,
3: um, that there's in that sense. There's nothing he can do about that aspect of Donald Trump's personality because, he said, that's not even his job to control him. Here's uh, General Kelly.
8: I was not sent into or brought in to control him, and you should not measure my effectiveness as a chief of staff by what you think I should be doing.
3: Well, you know, we do have a sense of um, the dignity with, with, much, with which most presidents have conducted themselves. Yeah. George W. Bush, you have to give him credit for that, you know. Bill Clinton, uh, to all of them, right? But Donald Trump. If so if it's not his job to control Donald Trump, whose job is it?
7: Um, well, I think you guys named some good candidates early on, right? It's M- Melania, <laughs> Melania, <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe maybe Barron's got some control over his dad. I don't. I don't know. Um, you know, it, it just. I think the thing that's so frustrating is, it seems like at a time where we need a strong leader who brings people together in the White House. He is the most ill-equipped person to be president. I don't think we've ever seen someone so ill-equipped at the, at the exact wrong time to be president. I think you could go through history and never identify somebody who has mm-hmm. the worst possible skills to be our president at the worst possible time. Um, and I think that will be Donald Trump's legacy. He is the most ill-equipped person to ever hold that office for presidency.
3: So yeah.
7: when um I can't think of anyone anyone no. worse, right? No, no. No. I mean, you could even say I mean even even you go back to like Nixon. I mean, I don't have to tell you guys this, but like you know, there were things about him that at least made him a plausible, reasonable person well, to be president. Of, first of all,
3: he knew his stuff when it yes. came to foreign policy. Yeah. I mean, he he really did. He yeah. knew his history. I mean, Well, we,
4: we it, you're right. You're absolutely right, but we point to George W. Bush as the worst president. Of our lifetime.
7: Not even close. Not, not anymore. Not I mean, even close. The, uh,
4: one thing we, I will say about George W. Bush is he was great at politics. Now, his policy, not so great, but like he knew how to get his party together. He knew how to sell something. He knew how to keep the peace. I mean, Donald Trump, the, like to, to reference Bill's uh, comment about Corker, I mean, Corker is a very, very important vote in getting anything done.
7: And and And
4: he's pissing him off. And is also, Uh,
7: you know, if you you read this stuff closely, and you know this from over the years, Corker is speaking for that entire caucus. I'm telling you, Bob Corker is channeling the frustrations of so many people. People who are, you know, otherwise, they are just kind of your kind of -of run-of-the-mill Republican who don't want to own all of the stuff that comes with the Donald Trump presidency. He's speaking for them. He has pretty much said hey, I'm not running for re-election, let me come and take the hits, I don't mind. Um, And he's actually been a very effective, um, you know, solve to Donald Trump, I think.
3: Now, as you sat down here, uh, Donald Trump was uh, talking about being out of control, uh, was tweeting. uh, It's not his, pardon me, first tweet this morning, but I wanted to ask you about it. Uh, 20 minutes ago, he said, quote, hard to believe that the Democrats who have gone so far left that they are no longer recognizable are fighting so hard for sanctuary crime. So, <laughs> uh, you know, Democrats fighting hard for crime. Yeah, yeah that's, we're, that's we're out there yeah. fighting
7: hard for crime yeah. every day. What yeah. we
3: want is more crime in more American <laughs> cities, right? Well, it's. Now, look, when, you, when you. When something like that, which is so off the wall,
7: basically just nuts, what. What do you do about just ignore it? Or I, what? I don't know what's more disturbing, though, the fact that he would say it, or the fact that you know that there are millions of people who are eager to believe that, and who want him to say that, and 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 that's why he says it. Um, yeah, I mean, I I look, I I think Democrats have a challenge here, and I think you know, as we kind of you know, we obviously we talk about the norms of this presidency, and we kind of relate it to politics, um, coming up to, to eighteen and twenty. What do you do with this? Right. I mean, uh, Pelosi and Schumer had a had a little issue a few weeks ago where they were trying to work with him on DACA um, and and some other, you know, kind of shared policy goals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's an open question. Do you do you risk um, giving this president a a victory because you don't know what he's going to do with the political capital? Do you trust him with the ability to own the political capital in a responsible way i mean obviously he hasn't given any reason to do that to to date but that's that's a hard challenge that's really hard for people like chuck schumer chuck schumer wants to get things done nancy pelosi wants to get things done that democratic caucus they have things they want to get done and they can get done but with this president you don't want to hand him a victory or you don't want to hand him carte blanche to do more to do more damage i mean look at Puerto Rico, I mean, I'm I'm sure you saw just in the time we've been uh, back here this hour, he's tweeting about Puerto Rico again. I don't think the man realizes that these are American citizens. That's disgusting. I mean, what he said and, and, and how he has carried on, look at how he reacted to Puerto Rico versus how he reacted to Texas. I don't know if you've seen the side-by-side. Texas will be with you every day, today, tomorrow, and every day going forward. Puerto Rico, there's only but so much. We're yeah. going to give you a loan. Yeah. I mean, it's... Disgusting.
4: We've sort of hit our limit with you, yeah. Puerto Rico. We've done all that we can. Yeah, do. it's disgusting.
7: Yeah, we we can't keep we can't stay there forever.
3: Yeah, what he says, right?
7: He doesn't realize that there. I I honestly I would it would not shock me if the first time he realized that Puerto Rico was a U.S. territory was the day he took oath of office.
4: I, by the way, I'm not sure that he still realizes that.
7: <laughs> Someone I'm may have kidding. had to tell him that. I mean, I'm not kidding. You know, they had to give him a tutorial on our nuclear arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> so wait. He didn't even know it was an island. Yeah.
4: Rick Pe- Rick Perry yesterday called no. the called referred to the country of Puerto Rico.
7: <laughs> he did. I'm not. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. The, that would be the Honorable Rick Perry.
4: The, excuse me. Right. The Honorable <laughs> Secretary Perry. Secretary
7: Perry called it a country, <laughs>
4: and I, I think Trump believes the same
7: thing. I, I think you're right.
3: You said they had to give him a tutorial on the on the nuclear arsenal. Um, so uh, Donald Trump right says. He never said, we have to increase our nuclear capacity by a nuclear arsenal by tenfold, ten times. Um, James Mattis says he never said it. Uh, I don't know how many sources told the New York Times he did say it. No, uh, NBC News, right?
7: Yeah. It, it, it you, what do you think? Oh, Of course he, it's nonsense. And the thing that's so amazing about this is- Of course he said it, right? of course, Of course he said it. And here's the yeah. thing. This is not coming from, you know, a. this is not the left- okay this is not the progressive left that is selling him out these are his own people these are the people who are around him that that has that sourcing just look at the story that sourcing has to come from somebody inside the room someone in his inner circle in the pentagon in the pentagon these are yeah. these are these are the people and actually i think these people feel like they're doing a public service because if they don't put it out through leaks they feel like it won't get out and that's the really the only way to bracket this president yeah. to box him and They want total rehabilitation It's got to be in tip-top shape. Tip-top shape. He needs (laughs) needs total rehabilitation. You know, it's like the uh, (laughs) uh,
6: the famous day after
3: he fired James Comey, and he had that meeting in the in the Oval Office with Sergei Lavrov and uh, uh, and uh, Kiss Kissley. Act. Kissley Act. I mean, the fact that he told them, "Hey, I had to get this monkey off my back. I fired that you know a hole because he wouldn't drop the investigation." Now, whoever was a source for that too, which has never been denied, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Mm-mm. was in that
7: room the sourcing. Couldn't, it it, it was, couldn't it, even be like a press assistant or an intern. No, this no. has to be like someone with high level national security clearance. Exactly. Who is within the top six or eight advisors to the president?
3: Who was so appalled yeah. by that that they said, "You know, we got to."
7: The story can't get, get story written unless it's somebody that close to the inner circle. So, you know. I just wonder where we go from here, right? I mean, we're entering a cycle now where um, we're about to kind of go into the 2018 cycle. Um, What role does Trump play? I'm I'm curious. What role—I'm sorry, I don't mean to turn the tables on you—but what role do you think Trump plays um, in terms of, you know, how Republicans run? Are they going to start to run away from him? Do they feel like they need to run closer to him because of the base? uh, That's a good question to to throw out
3: there, um, which is a good segue to what I wanted to ask you, is that the Washington Post reports— That talks are underway between Ed Gillespie's campaign in Virginia and the White House to have Trump come down and do a big campaign rally for Ed Gillespie in Virginia. Hillary Clinton carried Virginia by five points last time. It's the only southern state that went for Hillary Clinton, right? If
7: you're Ed Gillespie, do you want Donald Trump to come into Virginia? In a Republican wave year, Hillary Clinton carried it by five points which really means that if we were having a normal Democratic year, she'd probably carry it by 8 to 10 points. Mm -hmm. Um, Donald Trump, my suspicion, is not particularly popular in Virginia. Um, I I saw the polling that indicated that before Election Day, and Election Day bore that out. Absolutely not. Ed Gillespie um, has to be out of his mind, but I, I, I guess he figures I have to keep him in the tent. I mean, the one thing that Trump can do for Gillespie is be his hatchet man. He yeah. can go and do the 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 terrible MS13 ad that he's doing right now, where yeah, he's trying right. to paint Ralph Northam. What a terrible uh, ad! It's it's it awful. Way, what a terrible it really ad! Is. It yeah. really is awful. Um, and I think also the president is probably going to insist that he is involved here because uh, Barack Obama, it looks like, is going to actually be um, you yeah. know uh, campaigning there for Northam. So I think the president feels like I mean, and that's actually an interesting proxy yeah. war, right? Oh yeah, I mean because we know that oh, this yeah. president, we know that President Trump. Is if nothing else, competitive. Yes, and he is particularly competitive with Barack Obama. You could argue that his governing philosophy is the opposite of everything Obama did. That is the that is the you know you want to know the Trump doctrine. It's the opposite of Obama. So this is a proxy war that I think he's going to want to be a part of. We're going to see Trump at his Trumpiest. Yes, in Virginia. In Virginia. Right. In Virginia. Right. Yeah. Because he, he looked at this so, as me versus Obama. Yeah, yeah. That's what. That's the way I would say he's going to almost force his way into that race. Right. So uh, Barack Obama goes to Northern
3: Virginia, and Donald Trump goes, goes to, to Bristol
7: yeah. or somewhere in the
3: in the, in the, in the yeah. somewhere
7: back in the southwest corner. Yeah, right. is right. it Lynchburg? Lynchburg, Lynchburg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sounds good. Or Charlottesville. God, can you imagine that? Oh my that? god. Um, well, they got so many good people down there. I mean, very well, fine, very, well, very fine people. Well, the yeah. problem is they actually do have some good people in Charlottesville. Oh, no, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So
3: <laughs> we know who he's talking. Yeah, to I know. Now. I know. We know I who know. he's talking. I know. To. Interesting comment uh, in Vanity Fair that uh, Steve Bannon gave to uh, in an interview um, that's just come to light in Vanity Fair. Uh, he says there's a thirty percent chance that Donald Trump will complete his first term in the White House. Only a thirty percent
7: chance. What does he know that we don't know? His lips to God's ears, man. I mean, like... <laughs> please, I've never I've never wanted Steve Bannon to be more right than anything in my life. Look, I, I, I think there's a couple of things to that. One, um, Bannon actually made a really good point when he left the White House about, what, two months ago when he said, I told this president that everything he's going to be able to do substantial, he's going to have to do it in the first six to eight months. I think he's right because i think mm-hmm. now people realize i think the jig is up and i think people realize like this guy doesn't know what he's doing this guy is not organized he is not a deal maker and so i think bannon realizes that the expiration date on the trump presidency mm-hmm. um was only going to be but so long <laughs> and i think at this point it's we may already well, get past it right and also i think if this president and and look donald trump is has many flaws but one of them is I think he knows how to create a victory. He he knows how to snatch victory from the jaws of a the defeat. And if we're coming around, you know, after the 2018, after the midterms, and it's early 2019, and he sees that he's going to get primary by John Kasich or um, that he's down 15, 20 points in the polls and that he's going to get boat raced um, yeah. in 2020, I think this president actually may say, you know what, I'm done. I've been the most accomplished one-term president ever, and step aside. I I, I, I do think that's a possibility. Uh, maybe that's wishful thinking, but I do think that actually that's a possibility, really because of Trump's ego. Yeah, I, I could I could I, honestly
4: I, see that.
3: I know. I know. I'm, maybe I'm the only one who can. I, I think Donald Trump gets Speaking too much— Speaking into existence. Well, he, <laughs> he gets too much ego gratification about— about that job that yeah. that it would be he will not want to let it go The other,
4: I I don't disagree with that and I don't think it's likely that he steps down but I also think that he's miserable oh he he well, like like this story that came out this week where he says like he hates everyone in the White House. He probably thought that being president meant he went to an office and just started shouting what to do to people. He doesn't realize he's got to work with the staff. He's got to work with Congress. He's got to work with the party. And he just doesn't work well with others.
7: He doesn't. And you know what the amazing thing is? The bar is actually not that high for him to have a relatively peaceful presidency. Yeah. Stop with the tweeting, okay? Okay. Focus on things. He's he's in a unique position. He actually has wasted so much capital because of any Republican in the last half century. He could do more deal making with the Democrats and tell the Republican establishment to go somewhere. Well. He has the ability to do that. He just doesn't. His his ego, his personality, won't allow him to do that.
3: Right. No. I mean, he does have the capacity, and uh, and I sometimes some of the things that he said, you would think would lead him to want to do that, including. Yeah. Some of the things that he said about healthcare. Oh yeah, but he's doing, you know, doing well, just the opposite. Now you 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 mentioned uh, that you weren't sure um, that uh, Nanchuk, Nancy and Chuck <laughs> um, might want to be, should be banking any deals with uh, with Donald Trump. Um, should
7: Democrats even bother playing in the Alabama Senate race? So I think we feel like we've got a decent candidate there. I think Doug Jones, um, folks feel like is as competitive of a Democrat as you can get in an Alabama. In Alabama, Alabama. Yeah. But look, we've been looking at this for th- I mean, I remember back to when Harvey Gant ran against Jesse Helms. My my dad was a big Harvey Gant guy. And we thought that he was going to he was going to give him a, a run. And it just it didn't work out. I, I, I kind of get the same feel here. This is it's unless Roy Moore. Remind unless something. Me.
3: Remind me. I
7: prefer, yeah, I, go ahead. No, Harvey, it's okay.
3: no, but wasn't there? Didn't Jesse Helms put on an ad with so with handshake or something just to show everybody the, that the, Harvey Gantt was black? Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
7: Harvey. Harvey Gantt. Look, people in North Carolina thought that Harvey Gantt was was a, was a big deal. But you know, I I, I digress. The the point being that um, I think you're in the same situation here where you have a. You yeah, have a Democrat who's going to make it competitive. I think the DSCC found a good candidate. I just – I don't know if you're going to be able to overcome what it is. I mean, look, if – I I look at Luther Strange losing that primary as the biggest indicator that we aren't really going to be able to be competitive in Alabama. If Luther Strange can't win a primary, if he's if, – if someone can outflank him to the right, I have a hard time believing Doug Jones is going to be able to win. Well, so, Somebody
4: out-Trump Trump in that race.
7: Yeah.
3: No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, Roy Moore is, exactly.
7: you know, Donald Trump would be a moderating force on Roy Moore, <laughs> yeah. which is disturbing. Which but is we've, <laughs> we've speculated here uh,
3: the last couple of days. So if you wanted to help Doug Jones,
7: who do you send?
3: Or do you just stay the hell out of it and let Doug Jones? I think you, stay I
7: think you said it. I think you, yeah. stay, I think you stay out of it. I think any any national money is going to be seen. It, it's almost like when the Ossoff race became nationalized, yeah. that became problematic for Ossoff. Um, I think in those types of races, you have to be very, very careful about uh, making it feel like the National Party has an imprint um, or that he is bought or bossed by someone in Washington. I think you have to allow him to be the outsider, almost like Joe Manchin in West Virginia, right, where no one no one in West Virginia can honestly think that Joe Manchin is a tool of the Democratic Party. <laughs> um, and that's how I think Joe Manchin's been able to you know, maintain his position. I think Doug Jones, that would be the only way. That and some sort of unforeseen uh, scandal or something like that that would bring Warmore down. I, I just it's it's a hard hill uh, to to climb right now.
3: Right. Yeah. It would just be so delicious, you know, yes, if you would. could get a Democratic senator yes, from Alabama. Would. The
7: goal it there really is just to make it competitive, make them spend money, um, and almost you know kind of set the tone for the rest of the cycle. I think that's that's the goal there is is to is to make it a competitive race so that Republicans can be on alert for, hey, if we gotta defend Alabama, we're in real trouble um, next year.
3: Right, uh, and what does that say about Democratic chances for the Senate overall?
7: So, I mean, if you, and, and you know, uh, um, we can think about baseball here, you know, in terms of analytics. You look at the analytics, um, yeah. it tells you that as low as Trump's approval rating is, whenever a president is that underwater, his party is, is supposed to lose um, seats and supposed to lose the amount of seats that would flip the House, House and, and, and potentially the Senate. Um, I think gerrymandering um, has had such an impact. I don't know if that's going to work, if the math is going to work out um, in the same way as it's worked maybe in the past. Um, the Senate races are on our being progressive terrain, not, um, not Republican terrain. I mean, yep. the places we're defending are North Dakota, West Virginia – um, you know, Missouri with McCaskill, we're 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 defending. And I think actually I think the positive to take from this is that we have a better chance to hold those seats. Um, but I just I don't know about actually going on the offensive and actually pulling some seats uh, from Republicans. So I think the Senate, I think the best you can hope to do is maybe status quo or maybe maybe you maybe you draw a seat somewhere. Um, but the House, I I do think, depending on how bad it gets in the next six months, you know, the House could turn. And that's a big deal. Like, if, if, if Trump it's, loses the House, one, that sends a message to him that, hey, blank check's over. Right. Also, just from a matter of just governing, yeah. um, it makes his job different. Uh, I actually it, think, though, similar to what it did with Obama when Obama had to work with Republicans, and some people would argue Obama wanted to be forced to work with Republicans, I think you could argue that Trump might actually be more comfortable being yeah. forced to, to work with Democrats, that uh, might be a better situation for it. Right.
3: It also would uh, maybe increase the chances of impeachment. Uh, um, yeah, that's correct. Uh, 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 proceedings starting in the House Speaker of the Democrat, Pelosi, yeah. They, <laughs> <laughs> but just just to just to put the numbers in context, and I may be off by one or two, but I think for Democrats to take the House next year, Democrats would have to win twenty-five, 25 seats. I think it's twenty-five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that's oh my! Uh, how can you do that? That's that sounds like so many. When John Boehner took over the House in 20, in twenty ten, yeah, Republicans won sixty five. So it's twenty five is it's doable. Doable.
7: The only thing that it's the mechanics of it bother me because I look. We know that Democrats have been getting trounced um, in localities, and we've lost a lot of the redistricting battles. Um, And that's what I was bringing up with gerrymandering is that I don't know if the districts are set up for us. Even in a wave year, when we in a year that normally we should win 40 seats, we might only win like 15 seats Mm -hmm. um, because of just how the Republicans have kind of gamed the system. Um, So that's the only thing that would concern me there. Right. Joel,
3: good to see you. Good to see you too. Thanks so much for coming in. Bring us up to date. And a little shift here. Uh, If we haven't been talking about Donald Trump and politics... Everybody's been talking about Harvey Weinstein's sexual harassment. Uh, Some Democrats are finally uh, standing up and speaking out about it. Danielle Paquette's been covering this for The Washington Post. Here in studio with us for the next half
2: hour, Joel Payne, thank you, and we'll be right back. It's got to be in tip-top shape. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. video bill's commentary the best clips from the show all in one place youtube.com slash the bill press show all right wrapping up here on
3: a friday friday october 13 Uh, can you believe it hello everybody great to see you today and thanks so much for being with us as we come to you live wherever you are in this great land of ours we're there with you starting out at our studio on capitol hill in washington dc Brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees, those good men and women who keep our federal agencies running day in and day out nationwide under the leadership of President J. David Cox. We salute them, thank them for their support of the uh, program, uh, and we welcome to the program at this hour from the great Washington Post, fake news, Uh <laughs> Danielle Paquette. hello Danielle. Nice Good morning, to, Bill. Nice to see you. Uh, and before we get started here, we do have some breaking news this on this is Friday a morning show. Breaking news update: We know that uh, taking a uh, page out of Donald Trump's book, Senator Susan Collins uh, would not tell us earlier in the week whether or not she was going to stay in the Senate or run for reelection. As uh, I mean, or run for governor of the state of Maine. She said, you're going to have to wait and wait, and I'll tell you on Friday, well, she just did.
1: And I have concluded that the best way that I can contribute to these priorities is to remain a member of the United (laughs) States Senate. Thank you.
3: Whoa, there she is. I'm surprised. I thought she was going to run for governor. You, I, let's let our
4: mainor speak. Yeah, Jamie's got some things to say
5: about I think her she Mayer. made the right decision, to be quite honest. I mean, she a lot of people in Maine view her as an independent, and some people think that she could potentially switch her party allegiance to becoming an independent. I don't think she will. Mm. I don't think it matters, because I think that, for the most part, Democrats are happy that she exists in the Senate, happy uh, that she's a check on the rest of her party, and It'll be interesting now to see who will run for governor. Paula Page is term limited, so he will not be the governor in 2018. But yeah, it's 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 probably you're probably gonna run another three way race in Maine. That's how Paula Page won in the first place. An independent jumped in and and split the vote. And yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what's gonna happen with governor, but I'm happy that Susan Collins is staying. In the My Senate.
3: candidate for governor is Jamie Benson.
5: <laughs> yeah, you right.
4: Your future in politics.
3: So draft him. Send him right up there. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I,
5: wanna- I mean,
4: it's it's probably, I think, at the end of the day, this is a win for people who are opposed to Donald Trump, right? Like, she's a thoughtful voice. She's not a great voice, but she's a thoughtful voice. Um but, like, the pro, I mean, it, you know, if she was to leave and run for, for the governor, I mean, you could end up with someone like a, not necessarily this man himself, but someone like a Paula Page right. in that Senate seat, and then you lose that voice of reason in the Senate. So,
3: Danielle, she's been a, I mean, she is a force in the Senate, no doubt about it, right? And, and, uh, uh and she's accumulated a lot of respect, a lot of power, I think. And so, um, um, it's probably all the way around. Probably better that she stay there. Do you think?
1: Well, it. You hear that there's this need for more bipartisan-minded people, and that's what I'm hearing. People want to see more um, politicians willing to reach across the aisle, especially as we deal with all of these uh, big-ticket legislative items. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: and she is one who can do that. You know, and has has proven to do that. I wonder if Mike Michaud will run again. Uh, yeah, that's former, right. He
4: put up a hell of a fight.
3: Former Democratic member of Congress, uh, our neighbor here on uh, on Capitol
5: Hill. You know who else might run? John Baldacci, former governor of Maine. Oh, all right. So Mr. Maine apparently in here. He can run again.
4: <laughs> Man, bringing that Maine knowledge today.
3: All right. Okay. Who else lives? Doesn't Steve King live in Maine? Stephen King? Oh, lives? Stephen King.
5: Stephen King has officially declined. He was asked a couple months ago. Oh, okay. Well, right. We really are There's also Olympia the Snow, country. Olympia Snow, Republican. <laughs> you know,
4: like, we're crazy people. I know, all right. Like, Stephen King, he writes horror novels, but, like, he's he's a progressive, so he's got to run for something. Right. Come on. Dude. Yeah. That guy's probably happy, but not working.
3: Anyhow, the breaking news is that uh, Susan Collins staying where she is in the United States Senate. So, Danielle, you've been writing a lot about the Harvey Weinstein thing. Should we hmm. have seen this coming? <laughs> uh, it seems that uh, people keep popping up. Jane Fonda was. I saw a quote on, I think, Politico or somewhere this morning, saying that she had heard about these stories about Harvey Weinstein and never said anything to anybody. How 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 widely was it known that he was a sexual predator?
1: Well, as you know, Bill, it was considered an open secret in Hollywood. In you know, as early as 2012, Thirty Rock had jokes about Harvey Weinstein preying on women or abusing his power in some way. This, I, I was a reporter out in L.A., though, and I hadn't heard it, so it's really hard to say how, how widespread that knowledge was. But it is not surprising at all that people would be hesitant to come forward because the cost of speaking up, especially as a woman, especially as someone who's worried about their job, is so high.
3: Is that what you mean? The headline on your story is the most uh, the depressing truth about sexual harassment in America. Yeah, is that the depressing truth?
1: <laughs> there's there's several depressing truths about sexual harassment in America. Yeah, just, <laughs> but, but one of them is that there, if, if you're a woman and you've either caught knowledge of this happening or if this has happened to you, there is virtually no good way to come forward. You speak up, you're labeled dramatic or a troublemaker or a mm. liar. Uh, and potentially you lo- you lose some work, uh, and so people, even actresses who make millions, are trying to, you know, provide for their family or stay in in the field that they love, and they're just terrified to speak up against someone who wields so much power.
4: To me, uh, <clears throat> stand back, stand back, everyone. I'm going to give you some things that I, as a white man, learned about this. <laughs> But it was kind of eye-opening, and I I mentioned this earlier, to hear that Harvey tape where he was talking to that one Mm -hmm. uh, model actress in New York, and it wasn't violent, and it wasn't necessarily aggressive in the sense that we think of, like, a a sexual assault. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just very, I'm very powerful, I'm used to this. I'm a famous guy. I'm a famous guy. Come with me to my room. Not, not necessarily telling, like, what was going to happen, but, like, come with me, come with me, come with me, come with me over and over and over again. And she very clearly does not want to do it. And he's so relentless in mm-hmm. it. And I think I think it's a good moment for a lot of guys, uh, men, to sort of check themselves and, and be like, have I been that guy before? Right. Like not necessarily in, in the sense of like holding it, your pa- position of power mm-hmm. over a woman, which is a problem for sure. But just the if, persistence of after it's clear that the woman does not have any interest, just shut up. It's time to move on.
1: <laughs> like It's, it's really that easy.
3: Hasn't it, has not it gotten easier for women to speak up?
1: That's a great question. Uh, you would think it has because of the heightened awareness around sexual harassment, what it even is, you know, Um Like Peter says, it's something as simple as persistence like that after you hear two or three no's. You know, no means no. We've been saying it for decades. Has it sunk in?
2: Right.
3: But I mean, don't most companies now, I mean, we still have a way to go. Obviously, Mm -hmm. this proved that we haven't, you know, it's not a level playing field, if you will, yet. But most companies now have pretty strict policies about sexual harassment, right? I mean- Mm Now, I'm not saying those policies aren't forced. That's really what I'm probing with you is, is it, do, are women more protected now if they do come forward and less likely to suffer consequences, losing their job or not getting that promotion or just being considered an outcast in, in the company because they dared um, reveal something about their boss?
1: So here's a depressing truth. The researchers I talked to said, no, it's not any safer. They said that the last big legal victory for sexual harassment victims was in 98, when the Supreme Court said every company needs to have an anti-harassment policy. And after that point, you saw this proliferation of policies nationwide. Everyone adopted it. They brought in consultants to do these anti-harassment trainings. However, there's no evidence that these policies or trainings have actually reduced the prevalence of sexual harassment. It just made it so companies could cover their behind legally, be less liable in a lawsuit. And actually, there is evidence that women who come forward still face different levels of retaliation, even if you can't prove it.
3: The author of the Violence Against Women Act, uh, Joe Biden, spoke out yesterday on this and uh, putting it in context. I thought here he is. Sexual assault is not about sex It's about power It's about the abuse of power And it's about Deeply embedded attitudes in our culture That for a thousand years Have shamed the victims And allowed the perpetrators to escape The consequences of their actions Right on
1: Right, right. It's it's not just about, you know, Harvey Weinstein, rich, powerful, famous, could go out and, and engage in consensual relations with people, you would think. But it, it seems to me, and it seems when you read the research, it's more about exerting power, exerting control. It's this, this entitlement you have, especially as someone who has power over these young women who very obviously said, no, 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 you hear from 30. You hear from Angelina Jolie and Gwyneth Paltrow. It's, right. It's and, and
3: it was it, it's the same pattern and abuse of power that we saw with Roger Ailes, mm-hmm. very powerful, head of mm-hmm. Fox News, uh, preying on women who were beholden to him for their jobs, their careers, whatever, and Bill O'Reilly, uh, same thing. And and sometimes the same threats, right? Um, mm-hmm. if, if you want to... So is anything going to... All right, Harvey Weinstein's lost his job. his career's done uh good All right. <laughs> at least we,
1: think. we we hope his career <laughs> uh, right. I mean, he could good. he good. could drag this yeah. out.
3: He has said you know he's not doing very well these days good, goodbye, good riddance, pig but um beyond Harvey losing his job, anything going to happen here?
1: It depends on how Hollywood and other industries respond you know harvey you saw the actress Emma Thompson yesterday speak out about. You know, this guy was just at the top of a particular iceberg. Yeah. He encouraged this behavior all the way down. What are we going to do to change the culture? Yeah, you could get rid of the board, or you could get rid of the other layers of executives who sort of look the other way. But in order to truly change things, you need, you need to start a new culture from, from the top down and the ground up. You need to assert that this is never OK under any circumstance.
3: It is interesting that the members of the board, to a person, I think, including his brother, have said they had no idea.
1: It that, seems unlikely. That seems unlikely based on the accounts we've heard. Yeah,
3: yeah I mean that is really stretching the truth.
1: You know, on
4: that me. point but, though, like yesterday, Amazon announced that they had gotten rid of one of their executives uh, on in their, on yes. their pr- production side. One of their right. think they, they sort of do their own production stuff. Uh, I think a leave too. I believe. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. for, for uh, similar allegations, and like there are going to be a lot more. Right, <laughs> I think that I, I think there is no shortage of of, of dudes acting like pigs. <laughs> But like, for me, I think like it's it. It really is not about the witch hunt of getting these guys out, which which is good, and we they shouldn't have these positions. But also, like, it it is a real moment for us to sort of take them take a look at the culture, take a look at how we treat these women who come forward. Yesterday, we talked about the story about Rose McGowan, the actress who came out. And has been very vocal on Twitter about the Harvey Weinstein situation. Mm-hmm. And Twitter blocked her. They, they suspended her account. Now, they've since yeah. let her back in. Mm-hmm. But, like, we yeah, I, saw an yeah. election. We had an election where people were finding reporters that were Jewish and sending them, like, Photoshop pictures of them in gas chambers and swastikas and things like that. And Twitter was like, nah, can't do anything about it. And then you have a woman who comes out and speaks out against sexual assault, and she gets blocked.
3: Yeah, like, I still that's a, that, that is
4: a bad look,
3: right? So here's a here's an uh, idea, uh, Danielle. Maybe what we should do is um, tell the people in Hollywood that you should look at the U.S. military and uh, how well they deal with this issue, and uh, maybe learn from them. <clears throat> I'm being facetious here, but I mean the military is as bad as Hollywood from what we've. Seen and heard, Silicon
1: Valley, Wall Street, right,
3: right. I mean, it's, I I guess, the common denominators are men in positions of power, right?
1: Well, men are in positions of power disproportionately in every industry, true, right,
3: right. But I mean, that's so it doesn't matter what industry, right? Cuts it's,
1: across all industries, all income levels, cuts across all boards, ages, right. ages, sexual orientation, races. It's 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 everywhere.
3: Right. You um, would just hope that uh, you know you, you, you can't pass legislation telling people you can't do this, right? I mean, you can I mean, Yeah, it's wrong, but and, people people still do it, as we've seen. Right. With Harvey Weinstein. Uh, are we going to hear? Uh, more stories and maybe other Hollywood execs topple?
1: Yeah, you know, I that's what tends to happen when you have a high-profile case like this. Other people will feel empowered to speak out. But we should keep in mind that, and this is according to the research as well, uh, oftentimes victims of sexual harassment, they don't really want to rock the boat. They don't often even want to see the perpetrator lose their job. So it is wrong, you know, for the for the people listening at home who... Where you know, I, there's a New York Times story, for example, about men feeling really nervous to interact with women after allegations like this surface. They think, "Well, what if I do something that I didn't mm-hmm. intend? It's interpreted incorrectly, and now I'm, an, I'm a, the accused?" Well, that's just very, very rarely the case because coming forward at all is so emotionally painful, psychologically terrifying.
3: Right but, It's just like with rape victims too, it's still And look mm-hmm. at here's Betsy DeVos who's rolling back. Uh, the rules that made it um, maybe more comfortable for or more uh, uh, acceptable or providing more protection for women who were victims of campus rape, right, to bring these cases. Uh, And then she rolls back those rules and making it easier for the the perpetrators of rape to get
1: away with it. It's Uh, an interesting choice because, you know, evidence shows less than 2% of of rape accusations are false. And- and so, so often it's so hard to nail a perpetrator. Um, yeah. You know, I don't remember the exact stat, but something like less than 10 percent ever ever see uh, victim's ever see like legal action turn into a, to a real conviction. Uh, and, and so but in, in social trends, you see this all the time. You see the activism rise around sexual assault. Well, the response is well. What about the falsely accused? Are we mm-hmm. paying right. too much attention to this group of victims? What about the people who could, you know, get hurt—the collateral damage?
3: Yeah, and for Betsy DeVos, it was so out of whack. We were being unfair to these rapists, right? And yeah, to uh, it just. The priorities of this administration never you, cease to amaze you. You
4: know one of Do the it. things you highlight is it's not just about the sexual assault or the rape. You you have you, you led with the story of our friend Sabrina Siddiqui who spoke to you about this. Yeah. And it's a lot of times it's like young women who are trying to get advice from more seasoned people, you know, like she talks about she talked to a veteran reporter who they went to lunch and afterwards he started texting her about how sexy she looked and mm-hmm. it's just like Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, I laugh, but only because I'm uncomfortable. You know? You no, think it's, about so, those it's so skeezy. It's just, yeah. like, but, like, as a
4: woman trying yeah. to make your name in any business, whether it's Hollywood oh. or here in Washington or anything, like, a lot of times you're going to try and get some advice from people who've been doing it from longer than you. and And in most cases, it's going to be men.
1: Uh, we all have stories like that. Yeah. Sabrina, one reason I reached out to her, when I, when I, when I read what she'd gone through and we talked, it was just so familiar. And that's not just in journalism. you know. I could repeat it all day. It's yeah. everywhere. Yeah.
3: Right. Uh, switching topics just a little bit. You have also been writing, because you cover a lot of different stuff, the Washington Post, <laughs> WashingtonPost.com, by the way, uh, about the job numbers came out uh, last week.
1: Ooh, those were interesting jobs numbers, weren't they interesting? Yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> the nerd in me was like, "Wow!"
3: But not so good, right?
1: Uh, it's uh, it's complicated. I'll say that it was the first time the U.S. economy lost jobs um, in seven years in one of these reports. But we can't blame it on a politician. This this happened because uh, the hurricanes. The hurricanes knock people out of work, especially if you are a low income worker. Who doesn't have any paid leave you know some of those losses we saw 33,000 job losses last month come from just not receiving a paycheck you can't get to work your office is destroyed the road is destroyed the car you take to work is destroyed it's really difficult for economists to say what this actually means but most of them are predicting we'll see a big rebound in the October numbers
3: right so were they geographically could they tell that these were in the areas that were hit by the hurricanes
1: yeah, this this is in Florida. This is in Texas. Puerto Rico can't be factored in in these particular jobs reports. Right, uh, Louis- but,
3: perhaps Louisiana as well. Yeah,
1: Louisiana, yeah. little North Carolina. Yeah, uh, I mean they
3: were they were hammered for a couple of weeks, right? In Houston, you couldn't even you couldn't get to your job. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, and these are densely populated areas. You, right. you have a lot a lot of workers in the service industry, and you're just totally knocked out.
3: Right. So the job numbers were down, but still positive, but just numbers down. Or oh no! This is this,
1: this is a loss of jobs. This, is a, yeah. this reflected a decline. We had expected to see there was still modest growth, but the rate of growth had dropped. But this was an actual decline, <laughs> uh, which for me was shocking that that a hurricane could could deal that kind of damage. But then you talk to the people who've been following this for decades; they say we saw similar impact after Katrina.
3: Yeah, so I guess I could have uh, I mean, planned, expected that, or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the real key will be the job numbers for October.
1: Uh, we this will be tricky. We we can't really expect a very solid, trust trustworthy read until next year. I'm hearing. They just fuzz the numbers. These storms come in, and it's really hard to tell is this happening because growth is slowing, is this happening, because we might be headed toward a downturn, or is this happening because we had crazy historic storms come in and really mess things up? Yeah. That's kind of horrifying. Yes, it is. (laughs) If you like to have, you know, that nice, like, pulse check every month. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yeah.
1: Ooh.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, on another front, the last time we checked, uh, maybe we ought to – do you, do you want me to give you my private number for uh, John Kelly's office down at the White House? There
1: you go. <laughs> yeah, um, why don't you Maybe we
3: ought, to, uh, we, we ought to check in. Uh, but the last we heard, uh, John Kelly still had a job. He um, uh, Donald Trump obviously got so tired of the stories being written about how unhappy John Kelly was and how he might walk out anytime or maybe be fired anytime uh, that Donald Trump pushed John Kelly. You know, I, I didn't make the briefing yesterday, but I'll bet you Kelly didn't walk into the briefing room, right? The door mm-hmm. opened, and then an unseen hand pushed him. <laughs> 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 pushed him to the podium where he had to assure everybody, uh, I ain't quitting, and I ain't getting fired. I'm not
8: quitting today.
3: Uh <laughs> I I don't believe, and I just talked to the
8: president, I don't think I'm being fired today. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Ha, (laughs) ha, (laughs)
6: ha,
3: ha, 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 ha. Yeah, the reporter's left, but still, how humiliating, right, for him to have to do that. Uh, He insists that he is not leaving unless things change, right? Unless things change, I'm not
8: um, quitting, I'm not getting fired, and uh, I don't think I'll fire anyone tomorrow.
3: So here, Danielle, is a general of the United States Army who has to come out and grovel in front of reporters and saying, no, I'm not quitting. I'm not getting fired. Donald Trump likes me, and <laughs> I like my job. Pretty embarrassing, isn't it?
1: It's certainly um, unusual compared to previous administrations. He put it in a really safe way, though, unless things change. Yeah. it's mean, a truthful manner of speaking.
3: But, you know, you can't imagine a... Leon Panetta, or a James Baker, or a John Podesta, uh, or a, even a John Sununu. I can't remember. I'm just trying to think of other previous chiefs of staff. And we've lived through, because they don't last that long, right?
1: Hmm.
3: Average 10 years, maybe less than two years. Hmm. But I can't imagine any of the previous ones that we've known um, doing that. And I and I I, I I believe John Kelly would never have done it, except Donald Trump ordered him to do it.
1: Well, this administration is full of tons of new new and interesting things. If I
4: ever have to go out in front of a camera, no matter what job I have, whether it's here or whatever it is, and I have to convince the people around me that my boss really, really loves me and he's definitely not going to fire me unless things change and then who knows what could happen, kill me. Like that is the most embarrassing thing that you would have to do As a professional human being, Mm
3: -hmm. do you know what I have to say to that? You're fired. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to get fired. Bill loves me unless things change. Unless things change. All right. Hey Danielle, thanks so much for coming in. Great to see you. Okay, indeed. Uh, And we will keep up with all the rest of the news over the weekend. You have a great one. Uh, Then uh, come on back on Monday. Evan McMorris Santoro
2: here on Monday. Have a good one, folks. We'll see you then. This is the Bill Press Press Show. Show.